And this morning I spoke about, we just laid a foundation of where we spoke about you being a vessel of honor. That vessel of honor speaks a vessel that is sanctified um, and ready for the for the master's use. Um, but I didn't go too much into the sanctification because we've been taught so much on that. But what I did um, tap into and what I felt the Spirit lead me to go into was the, the how you honor through your words. Whether you speak life or death, you speaking honor or you speaking dishonor. For those of you who remember, and I hope you guys caught that, that your life and death, your honor, the type of vessel that you are that um, that is that God can use or not use is linked to the way that we speak. Do we speak death or do we speak life? I said it in um, Krugersdorp, I don't know if I said it here, but when we speak death over our situation, when we speak death over uh, what we are going through or whether we moan or complain, because mo- moaning and complaining is a, a, a form of death, it is a form of negativity that we speak. When we speak that, we're showing our um, disbelief, our lack of faith, our lack of trust in God, in the process that He has for our life. So we spoke this morning about that, just being a vessel of honor. But tonight I wanna go a little bit deeper and I wanna speak about the five levels of honor, the different levels of honors. And I'm gonna start off um, by saying that each one of these levels are just important, as important as the other. Not one of them is more important um, in the sense of what I'm, what I'm gonna explain, but each one has its purpose. Each one is important and you can't do one without the other. Why? Because each level of honor that you um, participate in, that you apply in your life, and that you that becomes your standard of living, that is honoring the very first level, which is God. But I'm going to get into that now. Um, are you excited to be here? <laughs> Sunday night people are people who really love church. <laughs> they are people who are hungry for more. I said it in the other church, I said one of the ways that we honor God is by honoring His principles. We honor His order, we honor His word. We obey His word and what is that? Is to not neglect the gathering of the saints. Not to halfly not neglect the gathering of the saints, but not to, if this is the, if this is how God has ordained and purposed for this church and how it should operate and function, this is the way that it is but it's not for condemnation for those who are not here who's joining us online. It's just a challenging thought, amen? So this morning I spoke about um, positioning yourself in honor through your words, your thoughts and imaginations or through the words, the thoughts and the imaginations that you speak. Why do I say in? Because outside of God, Everything outside, everything and anything outside of God is dead. With dead works, reaping dead results. Even though it might look like success, it is dead success because there's no life that flows from there. So anything that is outside of God um, is dead work. So that's why I'm saying we need to position ourselves in honor. Amen. You know, the Bible says that in in Colossians 1 verse 27, we all know the scripture so well that it is no longer I who live, but, but Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's in me. He's giving me a hope for the glory. The glorification, the glorification that God has ordained for us as individuals. Amen. So we cannot do it outside of Him. Um, God is a God of honor. I'm going to try and stick to my notes because if I waver off too much, then I'm going to take too much time. And we're trying to stick to time, especially in December, so that we can let you go earlier. I know some of you are thinking, but I don't need the time. You might not need the time, but your, your neighbor might need the time. If you are the neighbor that needs the time, just say, it's me. <laughs> if you don't have a neighbor that said me, they're probably not being honest. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> But, um, you know, God is a God of honor. For those who are here this morning, you'll remember that I said God is a God of order, systems, principles, methods, structures, and keys. How does everything in creation work and flow so well? 
Think about it. Everything, the world that is outside of your world, nature, creation, everything flows so well. It looks like it's effortless. It looks like the birds that fly that do their things, it looks effortless. The lions that go hunting, it looks effortless. Even though you might see them have this chase, to them, it's something that's effortless. It's an effort, yes, but it looks so effortless. Do they, if they don't catch that, um, you know, prey, do they just stop and give up and go sit in a, a whippy and die? No, they continue and they carry on. They push through. But, and that's what I mean, how it's effortless. It just seems to work. But why is that the case? Because they flow according to the orders and systems of God. The ecosystem of God, they know their place. And I wanted to try and get into something this morning, and I'm going to see if I can just quickly share it. So when prophet preaches certain things, God always, you know, it is our responsibility to take what we learn, take it home and test the word, but also in that, take it further. A lot of us just stick to Sunday services and that's all that we have. And we never take what we've been taught and allow God to show us deeper revelations. But anyway, so I, was, I, I often take what prophet teaches us and I go and I think about it. But I was thinking about this in the series of Eden when, when um, prophet spoke about the whole Garden of Eden series and he was speaking about many things there. But I was thinking about it that how with creation and as you know, I believe that everything that happens in life happens for a reason. But I also believe that in everything or God is in everything. Christ is in everything. Absolutely everything. Everything that you see, everything that you touch, He is in that. How can I say that? And this is what I want to show to you. So I want to show to you that because we know in um, John 1 verse 1, it talks, let's go there. Let's go to that one quickly. Let's read that to together. We know the scripture so well, but I want you to see some things that you might have missed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, oh sorry, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was, uh, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. So when I took that, knowing that the Word is Jesus, we know that the Word speaks about Jesus. We've been taught these things. But when I thought about that, and I thought about the Garden of Eden, and I thought about just this life, and I thought about everything that we have, I thought to myself, but now I don't want to go back and teach you more stuff on the Garden of Eden, but I thought to myself that He is in everything. The chair that I'm sitting on, the stage that I'm walking in, why? Because what did did God do when He created the world? He spoke it. But what did he speak? He spoke words into existence. This morning I taught you about the power of the words, but he spoke those words into existence and therefore there is. So you would say, no, but God didn't speak this chair into existence. No, he did. He spoke the materials that created the chair that you are sitting on into existence. So therefore the chair that you are sitting on is created and it is purposed and made by God. Why was that that chair made? The chair was made, think about it. People might think, but why do I need to know that God is in this chair? It is just showing you a simple, analogy of how God is in everything. Now the chair was created, why? Because the body that you have that God has given us, this body is for this realm, it is for this nature. It is a um, a body that can perish. It is a body that is still subject to this realm and to this earth. Amen? You believe? You you with me? So that body needs to have rest. That body to be able to be refreshed and to recuperate and to just have a moment of where it can it needs to rest. Then you can get up and you can do more. Imagine you had to listen to me while you were standing the whole time. Eventually you would lose concentration because sitting, I know sometimes we sit too long, but standing is worse than sitting, especially for us who have bad backs or, you know, pains in our legs and stuff. But in that, God is in everything. But I wanted to show you as well that the same way that the ecosystem, now I wish I could get into what I, because Pastor Martin knows what I, what I wanted to say, but I can't get into all of that. But in that, if God is in everything that He created, there's purpose in everything that He created, but that purpose and everything that He has created has its purpose. 
It has its set-apart purpose with a function, with a, a, a way in how it works. The same way you, as the person that God has created, you have a specific purpose, a specific function in the ecosystem of God. The same way that there's, we taught also many times that the, the things that are in the natural realm is a replication of what is in the spirit. So therefore, if you take your thoughts further, further and you start thinking further, you will start think, thinking, okay, but if it is like this in the natural realm, how does it relate to the spiritual realm? And therefore you are able to easier do certain things because you can see that, but if this is, if this has got a purpose to do something, there's a purpose behind it for God as well. Am I making sense? You can say no. <laughs> but you have a specific purpose and a function. If each person knows the purpose and the function and the part of the ecosystem that flows, like I said, it's a replica. So if God has created and shown us the ecosystem of the world that flows so effortlessly, the same way we need to know that there's an ecosystem of God that will flow so effortlessly. But we need to be like creation that we see around us, knowing our place, knowing our position, knowing who we are, and having that faith and that trust in God. These animals might not, I'm sure they do, but whether, you know, that can be up for debate, but I'm sure they just know. It is just a knowing that that is the way that God has created them. The same way we need to get to a place of where we just know and our faith and our trust is in Him that no matter what happens, no matter what we go through, no matter what we experience, no matter what is thrown our way or done towards us, etc., 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 that everything will work out according to the plan and the purpose that God has. I said this morning that everything might not be the perfect will of God for our lives, but there's still a good and acceptable will of God for our lives. It doesn't say that there's a bad will of God. It doesn't say there's a fallen will of God. It doesn't speak about how, you know, there's a damaged will of God. No, it speaks about good, acceptable, and perfect. But many of us in our thinking, thinking that, this can't be God. No, this can't be my life. No, rather instead of focusing on what it is, focus on why it's happening so that you can learn and overcome. If you can learn and overcome, the thing is, is that if, if we are to go through a process of where we molded, shaped, trained and developed, if we realize that what we experience is for that purpose as well, for the greater good, we will overcome it easier instead of just focusing and falling into that place of negativity. But it's all about understanding who we are in the ecosystem of God. Amen? Today, um, you know, like I said, God has orders, systems, principles, keys, and everything that He has in place. But today, many of us are selective on which ones we follow and are influenced by others because of a lack of personal conviction or leading of the Spirit, even at times because of a lack of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, insight into God's methods. You know, this morning I spoke about us being a vessel of honor, but I'm not gonna go into that scripture. We all know, like I said, we have the vessels of gold, silver, clay, and um, uh, wood, but like, I can't go back into that because of time. But I want us to get into the, the first level. This first level of honor is us honoring God, which is obviously, when I say the most important, it is the one that we, we most people tend to focus on this one. But I wanna just read a few things. You know, the whole Bible is written in context of honoring the Lord your God, the Lord our God. In John 17 verse 1, we see that Jesus, that Jesus' purpose was to bring glory and honor unto the Father. Let's just read it together quickly. John 17 verse 1, I'm reading from the, new, uh, the King James Version. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to the heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that the son, or that this, this, your, thy son also may be glorified. I'm not as good as Pastor Martin with these and those and those. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that the son also may glorify thee. 
I want to read it in the Amplified Version as well, the AMPC. When Jesus had spoken these things, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son so that your son may glorify and exalt and honor and magnify you. In 2 Peter 1 verse 17, we see that for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellency of glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. From what place do you speak about your life, about those around you? Do you speak from a place of honor, meaning honoring God, or do we dishonor Him? Do we magnify His name? Do we glorify His name? Do we exalt His name? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? We all fall short of the glory of God, we all. But again, this is just to, especially in this time, especially in this time of the year, it's as if like when our bodies get tired, when our bodies get weak, it's easier to step into this place. But Matthew 17 verse five says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear him. But as I was reading the scripture in the back, I saw that it said a bright cloud overshadowed them. The people that was there, everybody that was there, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Where does it talk about or what have we been taught about an overshadowing? It is the epikaizo. It is the shadow that covers. So for us to be able to see the fullness of who Christ is, we need to be overshadowed. We try and experience and see Him from a place of where we're not overshadowed. We cannot reveal Him to people if we don't have the overshadowing for them to be able to recognize Him. You know, in the same way I said that that was to show you how Jesus was to bring honor unto the Father. In the same way, um, I want us to see in John 16 verse 14 that the Holy Spirit was sent to bring glory and honor unto Jesus. In, like I said, in John 16, 14, it says, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. In the Amplified Version, it says, He will honor and glorify me because He will take of, which is to receive, to draw upon what is mine and will reveal, which is to declare, to disclose and transmit it to you. It is not only to glorify and to honor Jesus, but by Him teaching us, this is the Holy Spirit, by Him teaching us, revealing to us, He is there for us to bring glory unto Jesus, who then automatically will give glory and um, honor unto God. It is with the help of the Holy Spirit that we are able to honor Jesus. It is with the help of the Holy Spirit that you are able to be a vessel of honor. We cannot do it without Him. He was sent to be our helper. He was sent to be our comforter. He was sent to be our guide. By us giving glory and honor unto Jesus, we show Jesus and God that they both did not sacrifice in vain. When we live a life of honor, what are we showing? We appreciating what was done. Many times our life becomes so wrapped up in this life, what we need to do, what we need to, how we need to perform, what we need to accomplish, forgetting why we're doing it, forgetting what was done for us. It's okay, we've all been there. 
I want to go read more scriptures, but I don't. I'm, I'm going to just skip that one for now. But we know everything in our life is to bring glory and honor unto Jesus, unto the Father. Amen. Okay, the second level of honor is God's authority, God's order, and your spiritual covering. Every creature, great and small, you see there is some form of head and authority that leads them, that guides them, that trains them, equips them, and feeds them. This is the order of God. Every nation, tribe, country, there is a head and an authority that leads them, that guides them, that makes decisions that they feel is best, that trains them, equips them, and feeds them in various ways. This is the order of God. There's nothing we can do about it. This is the order of God. This is the way that He um, purposed for the earth to be. But a weakness in mankind is that we, and that we need to overcome is the inability to fully submit. Especially when it's not when the way that we want to. Or the way that we like it or the way that we prefer to do things. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12 to 13, in the King James Version, it says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and to be at peace among yourselves. You know, something that we face a lot is people who are not at peace with one another. It might seem like it's just something, but to be at peace with one another. Let's read it, and I think it's the Amplified. Dear brothers, honor the officers of your church who work hard among you and warn you against all that is wrong. I said it to you this morning that we don't come to bring condemnation. We don't come to bring shame. We don't come to bring guilt. What do we do? We come to warn you. We come to expose certain things to you. We come to teach you certain things. If that is relevant in your life, it is purposed for you. If God does everything with purpose and with reason, that Sunday might just be your Sunday. But if we miss it, we miss what God wants to do. Many times what happens is outside of this building, in the congregation, in the staff, and even in the family of the life or the family of the set man who is over a place, we don't understand the pressure or the God-given pressure and the responsibility that they carry. And the drive that comes with being the senior leader for us as prophet as the head. We don't, like I said this morning, we don't have a normal church. We don't, we don't have a normal pastor. You know, sometimes what happens is that we see all over, okay, um, we see all over the world, we see all over that prophets um, were and still are judged for being strange, for being weird, for being hard, for being directive or straight. But that is the life of the prophet. That is what they have to carry. They have to be this who God has purposed for them to be. Amen? You're not feeling like it's too hard. Okay, then I need you to put smiles on your faces. <laughs> I know you guys are listening. And I know that your hearts are not um, cold to what, towards what God is saying. So I'm not saying that when I ask you. I'm just saying, knowing me, that is this. I need to just see this <laughs> so that I know that you're with me. Amen? Amen? Matthew 10 verse 41 says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Regardless of those set over you, whether they're perfect or not, 
God uses all things for His will, His purpose, and glory in our lives. It's a question of how will you respond? Will you respond with offense, bitterness, anger, raft, or will you respond with growth, change, conviction, and insight into the deeper things? How do we choose to respond? We might not know or understand and trust in God's ways of taking us through the process. When we fail to honor or we rebel against the one that God has placed over us, we fail to honor God. It is scary, but it is true. This is who God has placed above us when we fail to honor and obey certain things because remember, they give instruction as well. We fail to show that honor towards God. Trusting in God's process is by showing honor even when they don't deserve it. Whether you feel your leader above you doesn't deserve it, it is still your responsibility and by honoring them, you honoring God. If even Jesus was not honored in his hometown, we have to know that that probability will be there for us. Because we have a prophet, we need to know that there will come a time in our lives where we will become familiar. And it is not one person, not two people, it is everybody we will all fall into that test of familiarity. And it's not just for profit, I'm just teaching our people, so with your pastors and with the people online, they must have a relevance for them. You know, we need to understand that the separation of prophets, to hear the voice of the Lord as the responsibility is great. So as a prophet, uh, Prophet Leon has to be separated from many things. He has to not perform the way that a normal pastor performs. He has to do certain things that normal pastors don't do because the responsibility on his life, not just of what God has given him, but the responsibility that he and we and all of us pastors carry for your lives, there's certain things with him as the gift. And the thing is, is that he's not set apart just for a small thing. God has ordained and purpose for him with a great thing. It's a great work that God has given him. And the reason why I'm saying that, because we need to watch out for offense that comes due to unmet expectations. It is not evil of you to, to, to would love this from prophet or that from prophet or even desire it. But all that I'm trying to say is if we understand who we have, who is the senior head above us, and we honor him, trusting in the Lord, trusting in God, that what prophet is doing, what prophet is saying is for the will and for the purpose that God has, then we are able to honor him, then offense will not be able to set in. So if prophet, let's say, speaks to the sound people or speaks to Pastor Gerard or speaks to somebody else or even just speaks what we might think is insignificant words that just seem to go on and on. Nothing that they do is insignificant. Whether it's somebody that's in the building, whether it's for one person that prophet is saying that for, that God is challenging them, that God is challenging their heart, whether it's online, we don't just have this church, we have an online reach. God does things through him. And the moment that we can understand that a prophet's life is a very peculiar life, it is a very strange life. Why? Because that is just how it is. We see all over in the Bible how the prophets were given um, strange assignments. They were God gave them certain instructions that were very strange for them to do. Go sit under a tree, go do this, go do that. Even generals of God today, like if God gives them instruction, kick the baby, kick the baby. People get offended by that, but these are strange um, um, you know, requests that God gives to prophets. They persecuted for it, but God does it to do or, or to prove certain things, to challenge certain people, to deal with that which is going on in the hearts of people. Why? God is after your heart. He's not after your, your um, let's say, your physical body. He's after your heart. 
So therefore, the work that needs to take place is in there. It is our responsibility to take, um, to, to, to take responsibility and to look after this body, to look after this temple. But God is after our heart. So to end off this point, I want us to, and I really wanted to focus on this point. I'm not saying that everybody is offended with prophets. I'm not saying that you, if you haven't yet been there, I'm sorry, but the time will come when offense will be, or an opportunity of offense will be given to you. But if we can learn to understand the order, the systems, the ways, the principles of God and how God works, we might not even understand it. But if we trust enough in Him, then we'll be able to trust prophet in what prophet does. And when we honor Him, when we show Him this honor, so what I'm, what I'm also saying is that when He does these things, how do I say we dishonor? Or how do I say those things? It's just a thing that rises up in our heart. It's just a thought, you shouldn't do that. Don't speak like that. What are you doing? Why are you just speaking like this? It is just a small little seed, a small little thought. Now this is going to sound a bit harsh, but I don't mean to be harsh. If you were meant to be here, or be the one standing up here, meant to be the head of encounter, God would have placed you there. But He's placed you under Him, to run with Him. Like I showed you earlier, there is one head. There cannot be more than one head. There's one head to lead you. I said this morning how honored we are, how privileged we are to have prophet giving us a vision forward, giving us something to run towards, giving us a purpose. And that is obviously in God. Why? Because He's in Christ and Christ is in Him. So we're not fulfilling His vision, our vision. No, we're fulfilling God's vision that He gave to this part of the body of Christ. Amen. I hope it challenges some of us to think about those things. I promise you, Prophet loves you. Just because he doesn't give you a hug, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. How do I know that he loves you? Even my kids know that he loves you. Wow. We were talking about it a few nights ago where the, um, one of our kids made a statement, but we how do I know that He loves you? How do I know that He's given His whole life for you? One, we feel it as a family, but we don't see it as a negative thing. Why? Because we're running this race with Him. But He literally gives His whole life to you. He literally gives every moment of His time. Those who are around Him will see that He very hardly ever speaks about anything related to the natural realm. It might seem like he's somebody that doesn't make jokes. Might like it seem like he's somebody that doesn't laugh. Why? Not because he can't, not because he doesn't want to, but his vision and his focus and the, the, the responsibility that he's taken for the responsibility for your lives and this vision is so great. This might just be for one person who's maybe a little bit offended with prophets. We have the opportunity to deal with that, amen? Okay, let's go into the third level quickly. The third level of honor is your spouse and family. I'm gonna try and read quickly through this, but um, wives to honor your husbands. 1 Peter 3 verse one and two. Likewise, wives be subject to your own husband so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of the wives when they see your respectable and pure conduct. When we show honor to our husbands, this will in turn lead them to the Lord. Not that Pastor Martin was ever a, 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 a bad man. If I hear the stories of how he was before, before he 
really became committed with God. He was really a great man, a loving husband, a loving father. It is his testimony, Pastor Maria is a testimony of a wife who had a respectable and pure conduct whose husband changed, but not just because of how and who she was, but because of what she did, how she honored him, how she loved him, how she respected him. And look where he is today. Many wives struggle with this. They struggle with husbands like that. And we, I know we talked about this a little bit in the women's conference, but let's go to Ephesians 5 verse 22 and 23. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And it goes as far to say that Sarah called Abraham Lord. She honored him to such a degree, she served him, and she honored him by calling him Lord. Us as wives, I'm not saying you have to call your husband Lord. My Lord, my Lord. <laughs> Pastor Chris is the kind of personality that he, he's already told Pastor Michelle to call him, to call her, um, to call him my Lord. <laughs> Husbands, who, who, who would like your wife to call you my Lord? <laughs> Raise it high. Come on. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. Wives, if you are with your husband, then you know what to do. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it. Come on. There's nothing wrong with it. Why can I not honor my husband to the degree of where I call him my Lord? <laughs> You know, I call prophet my love. Every time I speak to him, I say my love. I'm going to change it to my Lord. <laughs> it sounds close enough. <laughs> my Lord, my Lord, come to me. <laughs> I need thee with me. <laughs> we'll become a new uh, 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 King James Version. <laughs> Your marriage will become a King James Version. <laughs> the fantasies and the thoughts and the... <laughs> I know there's some husbands who didn't say they want to be called my Lord. <laughs> Pastor Mars is like, yes. <laughs> okay, let's get into husbands, honor your wives. Likewise, in 1 Peter 3 verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Many men are like, you see, you're weaker than me. Now, only the evil intention of the hearts. That weaker refers to weaker in this physical body. Now, some ladies are, are gym. This was the Bible time, okay, when they wrote it. I don't think the ladies gym the way that we have ladies that gym now. The thing is, is that, and I said to somebody actually in this week, before I even prepared this message, is that I know that I'm a weaker vessel. I know that I'm somebody that depends on my husband. This is the way that God ordained and ordered the world to be. Women are emotional beings. We need from our husband. I'm not saying that emotions are weak. I'm not saying to have emotions are weak, no. I, and I, I've said to Prophet sometimes, I said, I can't help it that God made me emotional. Can I be over-emotional? Yes. <laughs> Especially a certain time. But <laughs> but he's still to honor me. Husbands, you still to honor your wives. Why? Because you are heirs together in the grace of life. The same that God has given to you, He's given to her. The same blessings, the same rewards, your function is just different. But you still deserve and are entitled to the same. 
So we need to honor, the, honor our wives, amen? Or your wives. <laughs> okay, the next one in this is honor your father and your mother. I know we know these things. I know it's very simple, but I wanna remind us of these things. Amen? Are you happy to be reminded? Okay, so honor your father and your mother. In Exodus 20 verse 12, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So there's a promise of land. There's a promise of life. When we honor our father and our mother. In Ephesians 6 verse 1 to 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest mayest live long on the earth. I mean, we all know this, but this honor doesn't just speak about our physical parents. It talks about our spiritual parents as well. We take responsibility the same way as we, that we as parents take responsibility for our children or good parents take responsibility for their children. The same way that we who are over you, that God has placed over you and you have chosen to come under, the same way we are to honor them. Amen. Parents, honor your children. Ephesians 6 verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nature and the admonition of the Lord. Okay. Parents, do not provoke their children, but bring them up in the training um, of the Lord. Our Heavenly Father sets the example by publicly honoring the Son more than once. If God Himself could honor Jesus, we are to honor our children. It is the example that is set for us. Amen. In Matthew 3 verse 17, it says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. With no condemnation, and I have even fallen short of this, we so easily tend to focus on the mistakes that they make, and we make it a bigger, a bigger thing than the victories that they've overcome and the good things that they've done. But even in that, we shouldn't be making that a thing. We are to honor our children, amen? Okay, let's go into the fourth level. We have two levels and we're done. The fourth level is to honor one another. This one, we have all been told so many times, but yet so often we fail to fully grasp the fullness of what it is to honor one another. In Romans 12 verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. When you honor one another more higher than yourself, it will be impossible to take the bait of Satan and fall into offenses because the root of offense is self. We've already spoken about honoring God. We've already spoken about honoring our leader. We've already spoken about our spouses. And it's more easier to do that. Why? Because they're closer to you. But those who are next to you, but I deserve this, but I'm good enough. I'm better. I can do it better. No, it doesn't matter whether someone's above you. It doesn't matter where someone's on so, uh, the next to you. It doesn't matter if someone is below you. In your work environments, in your home, in anything, in any area of life, even if it is the car guard or even if it is the waiter at the restaurant, we are to honor them. We are to respect them. We are to esteem them highly. Prophet has said to us many times before, he says, you can tell a person by the way that they treat a waiter, by the way that they treat a car guard, by the way that they treat somebody lower than them. You can tell very much about a person's character. 
These people are just as important. If you are the representation of Christ, be a vessel of honor unto them, amen? So when we remove ourselves from the equation, then offense will no longer have ground to stand on. The Word of God speaks about us having faith in Him and to ask Him the desires of our hearts, which means our faith is not in man, our dependency is not in man, but in God. Therefore, man should not be um, offending us. When your faith and your trust is fully in God, it doesn't matter what man does, it doesn't matter what empty promises come from man. You won't take offense, you won't be hurt, you won't even hold them onto that. Why? Because your faith, your trust, and your dependency is not in them, it is in God. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, it's easy in Him when your full trust and dependency is in Him. When we try and do it outside of Him, that is where it's difficult. When we do it in Him, it's easy. In Romans 12 verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Say, Lord, no. How? Help me. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We spoke this morning about how your words create. Not has the ability to create, it creates. Somebody comes to work and they all of a sudden start talking about how down they're feeling, how discouraged they're feeling, how this happened and that happened, yet you were the one who spoke these words over them. That created this state for them. I'm not saying it's the only thing, but it's part of it. Your, your words have the ability to create. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another and do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay, listen to this, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men, if it is possible. So for some it's not possible, but for you in Christ, it will be possible. Shout amen. amen. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, verse number 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If he says the vengeance is his, and He will repay those who've done you wrong. We cannot try and do it ourselves. When we do, God has to step back and He has to allow you to do. And you have to go around the mountain and hope that the next time this comes, you're gonna let Him step in for you. So many times, Prophet and I have seen how God has taken vengeance on our behalf. And it's not to say anything about anybody, but it's just like, you know, it's that the thing of like, you bring your God and I'll bring my God. <laughs> and we'll see who's the greater God. But there's been so many times where we can testify of how God has done it. Did He do it in our time? Did He do it when we wanted it, when we needed it, in the way that we expected it? No, but He did. 
But what was the condition of our hearts while we were waiting for God to do so? If there's been some that God hasn't done anything, but it's not needed. Our hearts is not for God to bring vengeance. Our heart is not for evil to be towards them. It just automatically comes. Why? Because that is the systems, the orders, the principles, the ways of God. That is what happens. But it is for their purpose as well. God allows those things to happen in their life so that in hope they can turn and draw near to Him again. Or for those can truly be saved. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 it says, Finally brethren, farewell, become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and the peace and peace will be with you. Be of good comfort. I'm going to read this part because I want you, and I want you to listen intently. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. By exhorting the centurion Christians to do these things, Paul proves an important point. These are at least um, partially in, in our power to do. We often think that our comfort or being of one mind or our being at peace with others just depends on them. No, in part that's true, but it also depends on us. We need to let God worry about their part and we can worry about our part. It is our responsibility to take our part of it whether they don't show anything from their side for six years, it is still your responsibility to do your part. It costs something to work hard, to be of good comfort, to be of one mind and to live in peace. But the reward is worth it. The God of love and peace will be with you. If you feel that God isn't with you, perhaps it is because you are resisting and rejecting His call to be of good comfort, be of one mind and to live in peace. In Ephesians 4 verse 32, it says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If Christ is in you, you will have the ability to forgive. If you are in Christ and He is in you, you will have the ability to forgive. Why? Because that is the nature, it is the likeness of who God is. If He was able to forgive us after everything, but He didn't just forgive us, He showed us, He sent Jesus to be our example in forgiving, not just in what happened, but what happened through Jesus's life. If he's the model that we are to follow, know that stuff is gonna happen in your life. Okay, let's quickly get into the fifth level and then we're gonna be done. The fifth level is government. Romans 13 verse one to two, everybody went, Your fifth level of honor is the government. In Romans 13 verse one to two, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever resists the power, resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. I wanna read it in the Amplified Version as well, but just take it a bit further. Let every person be loyally subject to the governing civil authorities, for there is no authority except from God, by His permission, by His sanction, 
and those that exist do so by God's appointment. Therefore, whoever resists governmental authorities resists the ordinance of God, and those who have resisted it will bring judgment, civil penalty onto themselves. For civil authorities are not a source of fear for people of good behavior, but for those who do evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good and you will receive approval um, and con, uh, con min, that one. I don't know. Um, and for him, my weakness is pronunciation of words. Okay. For he is God's servant to you. Listen. The government is God's servant to you. The same way that I said, us as ministers, us as leaders who serve you, who are above you, whether we do right or wrong in your eyes, God placed us there. That right or wrong in your eyes is not for us, it is for you. For He is God's servant to you for good. But if you do wrong, you should be afraid. For he does not carry um, the execution, executioner's sword for nothing. He is God's servant and avenger who brings punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be subject to civil authorities not only to escape the punishment, that comes with wrongdoing, but also as a matter of principle, knowing what is right before God. There is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. We subject ourselves to the governing authorities because they are appointed by God, like I said, and serve a purpose in His plan. In Proverbs 8 verse 15, it says, By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. And I'm going to just read this portion because I want you to get it. No authority except from God. God's appointed, or it's not in the scripture, you can take that off. God appointed a nation's leader, but not always to bless the people. Sometimes it is to judge the people or to ripen the nation for judgment. We remember that Paul wrote this during the reign of the Roman Empire. It was no democracy and no special friend to Christians, yet he still saw their legitimate authority. Your Savior suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate one of the worst Roman governors Judea ever had, and Paul under Nero, the worst Roman empire, neither, of, neither our Lord nor his apostle denied or um, reviled the authority. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God. Since governments have authority from God, we are bound to obey them. Unless, of course, the, um, they order us to do something uh, in contradiction to, the, to God's law. Then we are commanded to obey God before man. And we see that in Acts um, 4 verse 19. And then lastly, I'm going to say that those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. God uses governing authorities as a check upon man's sinful desires and tendencies. Government can be an effective tool in um, resisting the effects of man's fallenness. I think the one way that most of us don't obey the law is sticking to the speed limit. <laughs> but we all know how we feel when, he, when the cop pulls you over after you know you were speeding. <laughs> like, <laughs> And you think to yourself, if I was just not speeding, if I was just following the law... <laughs> It is not something that we say. It is not something that we 
giving an instruction for no, this is the order of God. It is the way that He created life. When we can tap into this principle of honour, understanding that one works with the other, when you honour the government, when you honour one another, when you honour your family and your spouses, and when you honour the leader set above you, when you honour them, it shows honour unto God. But if we fail to honour in any one of those places, we fail to honour God. We struggle sometimes to honour them because, like I said earlier, is the, 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 the break in the chain is because we lack to trust God or to understand Him, His ways, His principles. If God has placed it there, I'm not saying that we must submit under somebody who really abuses you, who's really wrong, who's really, you know, we get people out there. I'm not saying there's not people out there and there's not ministers out there who do that. I am not in charge of them. I am not responsible for them. It is not my responsibility to judge them, to criticize them, to correct them. They have theirs over them. And they will give an account to God one day. And the people that follow them, it is their responsibility. If God has purpose for them to be there in, in there for a moment, I don't know. I can't question why, why certain things happen in certain people's lives. But I'm not too worried about those people. I'm worried about you. Know that in the house that you are, you have a man. I don't say this just because I have to say it. I say it because I live it. I live with him. I see him. You follow a man with integrity. A man that is after God's heart. A man that is after fulfilling the will and purpose of God, which includes you. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage everybody as we get ready to close off, I want to encourage us to think about these things, to go home and ponder on these things. I know it was very basic. I know it was very simple. I know it was very um, what we know. But it's good to be reminded of those things, especially in this time. It is a time where we are to be with our loved ones. It's a time we are to be with one another. Um, and even in the church, where we are to be together. But if we have anything in our heart towards somebody, I want, us to go make, I want you to go make right. I want you to show honor unto them. If there's anybody that's doing you wrong, I want you to show honor unto them, not because I'm asking you, but because it's the way of God. It is the likeness of God. And you were made in His likeness and image. It'll be impossible for you to do it out of yourself. I hope you guys caught that, right? By now we know those things. But I will remind us because not everybody is in every service so they don't hear everything that we teach. But I want us to stand to our feet. And I'm starting to do good with time, I think. I used to be somebody that, you know, I'm not saying it won't happen again, but I'm under submission. I need to honor Prophet. I need to honor his request. I need to honor his instruction that he gives. Obedience is a way of honor. It is a form of honor. When you obey God, when you obey His Word, when you obey the instructions that have been given to you through your oversight, through your leaders, through God Himself, it is a way of honor. If you disobey, you dishonor. Disobey, dishonor. Let's raise our hands. Father, we thank You for Your presence. We thank You for Your grace, Your mercy, and Your love that You have towards us. Thank you that you paid the price so that we can have your grace. That in every area that we fall short, in every way where we have not yet come to the full maturity of what you have for us, we know that your grace is with us. We know that you are with us, covering us. But Father, as I, I pray that as we have been taught tonight, as we have received these things, let our hearts be awakened. Let our spirits be awakened to receive everything. Let us be obedient to your word. Help us in our weaknesses 
You are our strengths and our weaknesses. Help us in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, help us. And thank you for helping us. Father, I pray that as we leave and as we each go our own way, protect them, bless them. Father, for everyone that's struggling in this time, for everyone that's feeling the pressure of this life, feeling the weight and the heaviness of this world, Father, I pray that you would lift that burden from them, that you would bless them, that you would show honor towards them. that this season will be a season of joy and not a season of sorrow. Let it be a season of blessing and not of lack. Father, I pray that you would open doors, even though it might seem like the end of the year and it will seem impossible that no doors can open. Father, I pray that you would open doors. Why? Because when it is impossible in the natural, when it is impossible in the world, it is only and it can only be possible through you. And Father, as you do these things, let us bring glory and honor to your name. Let our lives be vessels of honor, vessels of glory unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You can give God a shout of praise.